I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Dear Diary, it's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio, and I'm your TV guy, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. This is episode number 108 over the course of like four years so i'm about like i don't know 92 off pace but whatever this week i'm joined by meredith hackman hi hi and rob sturd hi <laughs> hello hi what's up how's it going <laughs> how's uh how's how so uh has everyone else been returning i think y'all are the first firsties for the podcast we're the first firsties. No one else has ever done this. Everyone else that I've talked to in the last four episodes, I think, are all re- yeah, they're all return guests. So, oh. wow. So oh. I have not had to ask, gotten to ask y'all, how's your quarantine? <laughs> how's your COVID? Uh, we're, crushing we're crushing it. Yeah, we're crushing it, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've learned a lot about myself for a worldwide pandemic. Like, I, I truly, like, I've really gone within myself and realized how little I need. Like friends and social interaction. <laughs> well, Fuck all those hoes! Like, <laughs> like they've been holding me back. I should have just been a hermit all this time. Haters <laughs> to the left. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob, how, how you doing? Um, I have been uh, swinging rapidly between insane and uh, productive. I know that. <laughs> yeah what what a year what a literal like 14 months what a literal 14 months of our lives that we will uh never get back and that we're all just gonna move forward as if it never happened and we're not gonna get any what? reparations of any sort <laughs> well i also i also think it's it's interesting because there are perks to this that we're not acknowledging because it's been such a nightmare but like a year from now it'll be interesting to see what we miss about quarantine because well, i do I- this this whole past year has exposed is there a bug? I don't know. Uh it has exposed the like It's trying to record its podcast, but <laughs> it exposed its uh time. the bleeding entrails of our broken carcass of a capitalistic country have just been exposed of just like doctors aren't paid enough, teachers aren't paid enough. Uh we have too many lies and conspiracy theories that are killing people. Uh we should like 
be able to work from home more if we have to. Childcare should be like it has just like all of our problems have all just been shoved into the spotlight. And if shit doesn't, yeah, it is great. If things change, (laughs) like (laughs) it is like we all. I mean, I firmly believe every single American deserves twenty thousand dollars. Period. I don't. I think we should all be slaves to corporations. (laughs) I say like. Well, when you when you look at other countries that were giving everyone two thousand bucks a month, oh yeah, and we've been at this for fourteen months, and it's like, well, where's the dollars? We were like, uh, <laughs> or uh, tax the shit out of uh, billionaires and trillionaires because they deserve it, um, and then also relieve student debt and institute a universal basic income. Jesus Christ. Well, I've been focused mainly Ugh. on the. People complaining that there's like there's just not enough jobs. There's not enough jobs. No one like the economy, and it's like well, actually, there's tons of jobs that could be made and could be happening, but the people at the top refuse to create them or fill those needs or oh, pay yeah. people really who are on the front lines. What is it? Money is an illusion, people. Not to sound yeah, like I just smoked yeah. a bowl, but <laughs> uh, guys, I thought this was a podcast about TV shows, not a podcast <laughs> for communists. Well, I think it was quite a communist. I think she would agree. Yes. My favorite episode. So, um, Craig Rowan's old podcast, it's that episode, which was kind of like this, except it was any TV show of any sort. Um, he had Charlie Sanders on to talk about, I don't remember what show, but the conversation quickly turned into Charlie Sanders interrogating Craig of like, why are you doing this? Why are you <laughs> podcasting? Like, what do you get out of this? Do you make money like, for an hour? It, what? <laughs> are you begging us to question you and force you to come to terms with why this is happening? No, I already or? know this is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no this is i i'm i'm a, I'm a lost cause i'm interrogating myself every day um so yeah uh sorry no uh, we're not by the way listeners we're not even here this is brett alone <laughs> in a room i'm really good with voices uh <laughs> oh boy but anyway thanks listeners for just sticking it out i so listeners when i get the second vax and go outside again for the first time in four months 14 months who knows? Maybe the podcast will become lucid, but it's been off the rails for a while now. Uh, anyway, this week we're traveling to September 15th, 1965. <laughs> Once a thief ruled the box office, help by the Beatles topped the charts, and ABC aired the Gidget episode, Dear Diary at all? At all? What would you say? At all. At, at all? all? <laughs> Robin Meredith, you must have seen Dear Diary at all before today. Have you? Uh, yeah, we, well, we watched it for the podcast. Right? <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've seen it before today. I actually went down a deep gidget hole. Uh, I don't know, probably my early 20s and it followed quickly by a flying nun hole. Oh, Great wow. Hole. Oh, yeah. because so, She had the back to back screen gyms hits. Well, well, this was I, not a hit. Flying Nun wasn't. No, but I found out that the reason why the flying nun even exists. I don't know if you found this in your research, but uh, is because Gidget was canceled because no one liked it after a season and then the viewership found it over the summer and it became like a big hit but oh. ABC refused to admit that they made a mistake canceling it and so instead they just decided to find a new vehicle <laughs> the- and they created the flying so nun like, you go from blame like i'm a 15 and a half year old girl who loves surfing to i'm a nun that flies <laughs> like 
Same show. But here's the here's the thing. They when you look at how they stacked it up, they they put it up again in the same time slot as the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, which, which is, is the number like, like it's huge. Yeah, and it's also just like that's clearly not the time slot for this show. This show was for teenage girls, and I, I was saying it'd be like if uh, Sex in the City was put up against The Simpsons. And like I can't believe it didn't succeed. <laughs> yeah, or like, I believe that because nobody who's watching TV at that time is looking for sex in the city. Yeah. That's why it has a different time slot. <laughs> 10 years, 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've Turning never 40. Jeez. Oh, God. <laughs> we're, we're, time is meaningless. Um, are <laughs> slowly fading out of. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll talk about this right now because I usually say at the end of the podcast and people might've uh, stopped listening by that point. I do have five one star uh, ratings on iTunes. I have like 40 something five star. So, like, of course, I'm focused on the one-star ones. Listeners, our opening's like the one I just made you listen to, the reason why some people give me one-stars. And if so, fuck them, right? Welcome. I think we should, you know, do a revenge uh, plot against them. No, I, 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 I think my new bit is anyone that gives me one-star is either QAnon or homophobic. That's good. I should... I that's uh, a good thing to label them with. It's okay. Um, It's fine leave reviews write them out i like the ones that are written <laughs> and then also leave me five stars please <laughs> then also i'm gonna keep doing this no matter what so whatever anyway uh my history with gidget is none i mm. i knew it exists because like it is a pop culture touchstone none, none was the other no, show <laughs> i'm also not familiar with flying none either um but, like, Gidget is, like, an archetype. Like, how you would say someone's, like, an Urkel, you would say someone is, like, a Gidget. Or, like, it's the kind of thing that you would say... I feel like there are sitcoms or... So, or I don't know if this ever happened, but, like, it seems like something that, like, Spike on Buffy would, like, look at Buffy and be like, Oh, calm down, Gidget. Like, he would use it as, like, a pejorative to mean, like, you're just a yapping, like, teen, I mean, teen girl. You know? all dead on perfect, Spike. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't British either. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think he probably did call her Gidget. I mean, it's like a, a tiny lady with a lot of sass. Yeah, I never, I never, I've never watched it. Um, and so it was a quite a delight. Um, this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the Gidget episode, Dear Diary at All. It is the first episode of season one. It's the pilot, baby. And it was written by Ruth Brooks Flippin and directed by William Asher. Here's how to be describes the episode Gidget Lawrence 15 and a half years old falls in love with Jeff a college student and takes up surfing to be with him Robin Meredith how accurate is that description um not that accurate and that <laughs> to something I found out in my research which is that uh she was supposed to do a lot of surfing but uh Sally Field lied in the audition and uh didn't know how to surf at all so that <laughs> like people commented that that uh like people commented in reviews being like there's like no surfing in this show <laughs> one star no surfing surf. one star talks too much about politics <laughs> <laughs> wow that it, i mean like hey but like get it if get you it get it get it get that role yeah, yeah. obviously yeah but also that i mean that's what the i wasn't even what the movie was about like the jeff Jeff and her are not involved, and she doesn't learn how to surf during this episode. This yeah. all happened 
past, right? Like yeah, they're just it's more like whoever wrote the description watched the first 30 seconds and heard her opening monologue and was like, okay, cool, that's done. Moving on to Gidget episode yeah. two. Like Well, episode one is very strange too, because I, I found out that it was supposed to be 30 minutes long, but they uh, cut it down to the 22 minutes that we saw. Um, apparently you can find it on like the original DVD release. They had the full 30 minutes, oh. but it makes it actually it makes me wonder if there's like giant things that they cut out from it. And that's a lot why more with the, the husband, the Yeah, well psycho. Meredith even said this when we were watching. She's like, the show moves so fast. And yeah. I'm like, it probably wasn't supposed to move this fast. They cut out like giant scenes that would make it seem, you know, more connective. Yeah, that, um, so like that we haven't even talked about like Gidget is a it was probably a big deal when a Gidget TV show was happening because she'd already been in three movies. There have been there were like three. Uh, and uh, what's her what's her name? Um, uh, Ruth Brooks Flippin uh, wrote two of them. Oh, she wrote. The one, she didn't write the first one, but she wrote um, like Gidget goes to goes Hawaiian and Gidget goes to Rome. She wrote those two. Uh, and just so like anytime I see a a woman's name on the writing credit of a sitcom from the 60s i am like trailblazer what is your deal where'd you go because like if you read the the mary tyler moore book that just came out a couple a couple years ago like james l brooks and uh oh my god who's the other person that co-created uh, uh you know what if i put pressure on myself i'm not gonna remember it but anyway Alan, so, uh, the top. Brett, Brett, set yourself up so later on you can insert it. Be like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was created by James L. Brooks and Alan Burns. <laughs> Alan Burns, yeah. James yeah. L. Brooks. If I Google it, what happens? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I am so sorry. Yeah, it's them. Um, the two when the two of them created the Maritella Moore Show, they were like, well, obviously we are two. 30 something men we need women to write this show and they essentially kind of launched the equivalent of a casting call for just writers they were like if you are a woman who writes comedy they found the one who wasn't ruth brooks but they found like the one that had credits and they were like okay cool you're like the lead writer come over please <laughs> and wow. then they were like women if, if if a woman submitted like some women submitted like handwritten like specs and they were like if there were jokes there they hired them they, they would even be like this is not formatted in any discernible way it makes no like but good character work so you're hired and they they staffed the show with all of these women who are first-time writers who no one else would have ever hired them because they did not know the rules that only men tell each other of like hey you indent this much if you're talking about a bit of dialogue you know like and so like it is super cool that she wrote this and then after this she goes on to write 55 episodes of that girl which is a great show so uh, that's cool it's really cool it's a very i mean rob stopped like paused it in the middle of us watching the first time and was just like this is kind of like forward thinking right uh -huh. <laughs> It was like, yeah, it's it's um, it's forward thinking in a weird way. There's a, a ton of mixed messages in this show. It's very <laughs> obvious that there's like a lot of like conflicting 
voices in that writer's room and but I'm the, sure in the I producers. It's also clear that a woman is is leading the charge in the writer. Like there's yeah. definitely a lot of external stuff that's forcing the hand of this show, but the the lead female character, she gave me blossom vibes. Like I was definitely getting a lot of I, watch- so like when the when the episode started, again, having never seen any of the Gidget movies and never another Gidget show, the show starts with Sally Field looking at the camera and telling you what her deal is. She's like, I fell in love with a guy over the summer. We I learned how to surf on the same day. Best day of my life. He's leaving to go back to school in the fall. And uh, the entire time I'm like, this is Clarissa explains it all. This yeah. is Blossom. This is Freaks and Geeks. This is it, this is Square Pegs. It is uh, my so-called light. Like it. And it's 1965. It's crazy. And that, I don't know. It, honestly, watching this episode felt like I had discovered something massive. <laughs> like this <laughs> massive part of television history that never gets talked about or the respect that it deserves. Because, again, teenagers weren't, like, catered to at the time. Like, they had beach movies and, like, the Beatles yeah. and... Yeah, nope. and something that's speaking to, like, a teenage girl going through, like, changes in her life. And a big thing for me about this show is it was super freaking sexual. And yeah. it was like, and I I just rewatched the Gidget movie. I forgot I had watched it the first time, so I rewatched it. And um, the feminism in that is so much more 50s. Like, the, the um, message at the end of that is uh, they look at a, a sample that the grandma, you know, uh, sewed or whatever and it says uh the a real woman is one that b- brings out the best in a man hey hey, hey. but it's still it's a great movie i highly recommend the movie, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but that's like the end like the morality of it is that she's still like a tomboy she's still like a yappy whatever like she's got a lot of spunk and she's gonna do whatever she wants to do but her realization is that she doesn't need to be as sexual as her friends. Like she just wants a real relationship. Whereas this Gidget is just like, well, forget about Jeff. Like I want to date around. Yes. I want to be great. <laughs> it's very sexy. No, sexual that's a, revolution. But that's, that's where you're, you guys are painting it. Like that's how it is. is that she was completely like, it's, it's an insane, it's like listening to an insane person because everything is about sex, sex, sex. And then it's like, she's never even kissed someone before. It does, none she's of it. She's 15 and a half. Yeah. And they, and they're like, but they, but they like clearly like the, this episode, it's the big, uh, the big like kerfuffle is she writes, I sank into nothingness. Which is a euphemism uh, for kissing. Which is use, euphemism for kissing. Is it? Well, they were at the end. At they the say end, that. she's like, I've never, I haven't kissed anyone. But it's very yeah. clear that it's supposed to be that they're, they're not freaking out because she may have kissed someone. They're freaking yeah. out because she, they, it's supposed to be like sex, uh, orgasm. Like, she has sex. Yeah. And that's why, like, the jokes are supposed to be like her, when her and her dad are like confused about what each other is talking about. Yeah. Like, well, it's not like it's a moral issue. And the dad's like, it is a moral issue, you know, and it's like, and I they pro- it's probably because they could not actually, ha- they definitely could not actually have it be sex. Um, But like, so the episode opens with her dir- talking to the camera and then it goes into the theme song, which is again, like cute photos of Gidget being cute, being cute all, all over the place. And then her dad, who is a, a handsome, well-dressed man. I love all of the clothes he is wearing in this episode. Um, The theme song, it just... The theme song he keeps like re- the refrain is like Gidget is mine. 
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that, like, right, doesn't that track with everything we're seeing? It's a, it's like everything is, uh, she's a, she's allowed to be promiscuous and funny well, and sassy, yeah. but, well, like, fake promiscuous. I, I don't know what, what this, it's like, it doesn't make sense. She's liberated, Rob. Yes. No, I think that it makes sense for, like, this is the internal life of a 15-year-old that is still living in 1965, I think is... The theme song seems to be coming from, like, the dad's point of view. But yeah. Even, but even I was very impressed with the dad because, like... Brett, I mean, you're you're really just... <laughs> like, the dad was so you. Like, as soon as I saw that open, where it was just a montage of him in different hats, like, plays jauntily on his head. Yeah, he I was, was, like, like making faces and stuff. Like dad. <laughs> I loved him. Because, again, he was emotionally sensitive to her like he wasn't just like oh girls i don't understand like <laughs> which is how it usually goes um he was so much more available to her emotionally than the sister or the brother-in-law i mean he was really on her level he was letting her kind of do her thing yeah so like the dad is an english professor at ucla again the opening the monologue tells you all this stuff which is like the mom died it's like here's our exposition mom is dead dad is a professor sister is uh Cookie. A neurotic busybody who is married to a a guy that's going to school to be a psychiatrist or psychologist, but they all say he's a first class nut, but is he? He just seemed boring. He's doing a Dick York impression. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what was happening for me. Yeah, it just seems like they were all shitting on him for no reason. I don't know, which I think is kind of funny. Well, I also like that they're shitting on the sister who they she literally says, this is my sister, Anne. Like, she's a crazy nutball because our mom died and she had to take over the role of mother. And I was like, maybe give her a little bit of <laughs> He's really trying to take care of you. I, yeah. I, I like the dynamic because I'm imagining that the sister's probably like 20. So like 2021, if if her husband is still in college and like. That seems to make sense. Yeah. Because, like, five years is a, is a normal amount of time between children. Sure. But yeah. also, Gidget is dating someone significantly older than that, I mean, that was really troublesome. That is, uh, that does not age well. No. However, I, in, the, uh, in the movie version, which took place six years before, uh, she was 16, going on 17, turned 17 in the movie, and her college boyfriend, Moondoggy, is like, you're way too young for me. So I like that they made her younger and then didn't deal with the fact that she was too young. Yeah, it is weird. But he's going to Princeton, so like, lock it down, <laughs> But the first right? scene of the first scene of the episodes, they're all like waiting up for Gidget. And yeah. the dad is the only one that like is fine with her being out past 11. Well, yeah, she deserves to be out past 11. He's very supportive. He knows she's not up to no good. He knows she's not going around kissing boys. She's just driving in cars. Were we, okay, who amongst us had the most trouble with curfew? Not Meredith. <laughs> Meredith didn't go out. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you went out. <laughs> I'm trying to look at yeah, that. Robert, come on. You're, <laughs> you're the gidget in this situation for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely, <laughs> my Gidget is not as fun as, as the TV as show. Gidget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my parents and I didn't have this amicable relationship where my dad would come in and give me like friendly advice right before I go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. You know? well and even like he doesn't care the sister cares more about the curfew and he's like it's fine like she's coming like he trusts her uh i do love when gidget comes home she's like the night was mildly tragic the entire gidget's entire character is so 15 like being a teenager sucks (laughs) it's horrible and i like how much this show gets it ah I don't think she thinks it's horrible. I no, think she's I don't think she thinks it's horrible. She, she, but she thinks that when you're a teenager, you think everything is like way yes. more of a big deal than it is. And so therefore right. that is horrible. For sure. But I like, and that's why we are a big LaRue household, uh, Gidget's friend LaRue, because uh, she's like, you're having a terrible night because your 19 year old Princeton boyfriend, like it, it like might want to marry you like what what, what's that? what are you talking about like what are your problems like uh i'm definitely more team larue yeah i did think like that the central conflict of this episode of like it is where like she wants to keep dating while he goes away to princeton but she doesn't want him to keep dating but uh, she doesn't want to date either in the second episode she's like she's she just wants that's what i'm saying like the show is about like the clearly like the the times like clearly the show was created being like well what if gidget you know was not you know because at this point this would be a modern they would have been considered to be doing a modern take yeah on a on a movie that came out i think the last one came out like five years before this tv show or something yeah i mean the movie started the beach the beach genre, which is like everything is. What's crazy about this show is the whole premise of it. Like if you go back to the books, which inspired the movies is basically like, wow, this girl wants, this girl is surfing. That's so crazy. Let's create like a giant <laughs> franchise off of this concept. It just shows like how insane it was that like a girl might like independently enjoy a sport. Do anything. <laughs> Do any, yeah, we do any. This girl chose to do something. What? Make a show. It, I got to tell you, we hear a hundred ideas a day here at CBS, and uh, this girl on a surfboard blows my mind. Girl rides bike. Wow, five season order. Girl rides bike. But I guess, like, I do. There is, like, you know, TV at this time still had not found that, like, oh, maybe we should be. What's the word consistent across episodes? <laughs> like, well, this was, but it makes sense, right? Like, what's so funny is the show got canceled, but I bet it got sixty million viewers a night. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I back- think it got like twenty six. Yeah, whatever, twenty six million <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Yeah, make it like double the most popular shows that are out today. Uh, it, and and you just turned on your TV, and whatever was on was on. So consistency. You know, you're trying to um, win people with every episode. Yeah, was, it's like what what's going to get them this week? More people want Gidget to like want to be like date one guy or pine after one dude. Cool, but next week, oh, it like uh, double dates are the fad. So maybe she should go like they just. But I also want to say that like you you guys are acting like 
oh, that was, this was so long ago. Like we, we don't have these problems with TV in modern times. Like, oh yeah. Child, my childhood television watching experience was like girls doing girl things. Like, oh, one girl is kind of good in school. Wacky. Like, yeah. like that was the 90s. Yeah. I, Things didn't. Things have not changed. Clarissa explains it all. Uh, What if a girl was like smart? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Like things did not. Things have not changed. (laughs) But I think I think Gidget is super. I think this episode of television is mind-blowingly progressive for like. I think it's progressive in what it was doing in 1965. Is I can't believe they put that on television. This show is the horniest show I've ever seen. And I mean that. I mean, even compared to any of... Have you watched Too Hot to Handle? (laughs) On Netflix? I have not watched Too Hot to Handle. Is that the horniest show? Uh, It's pretty horny. The whole premise is try not to be horny. This this show is horny in a like uncomfortable way. Like I was pointing out that there's a moment where um the 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 son-in-law goes, is Gidget overeating? Because that's a sign of sexual starvation. And the dad goes, Well, she's not overeating as much as you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, the dad just goes, You're hornier than my daughter. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Sick burn from the dad. I love this dad. His dad is like, fuck my son-in-law. I'm going to humiliate him. Who's horny in this yeah. house. It's you, John. You horny, horny bastard. This is why I, I have to be a sister. Like, the sister is getting beaten up on her poor husband. They come over all the time to help take care of Gidget, help take care of her father. And they're like, get out of our house. Yeah. We don't like you or respect you. I uh so like now Gidget's like up in her room and she's allowed she's doing what a girl what a teen girl does she's writing in that diary but Gidget mm-hmm. like her diary is basically like Tina Belcher's friend fiction yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. she like she yeah, says later at, at the end of the episode that she's like see this is dated Thursday that's tomorrow I I I, I say what I want to happen <laughs> and she writes about sinking into nothingness and like kissing Jeff and like she she's like I mean, she's it's like weird, it's weird because her. I'm like, I, I don't know who that was for. Like, I don't think anybody at the time saw sink into nothingness and had a clear idea why that was upset. I can't imagine that like translated. Well, I don't know. Like, who knows? I the slang of the 60s. I I, I should do a, like, a newspaper I search tried for looking that. It up. I, I tried looking it up and the only reference to it is, is this. <laughs> so it does seem like, like I, I think anyone who watched the show, whether it was back in 1965 or obviously now. Oh, I had no idea. Like, why would you be this upset if you think that it's kissing? It doesn't make sense. Like you could be uh, like, you know, that you're. I think it's all network notes. I honestly, I could. It, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm it saying feels it feels like the network wouldn't let them do what they wanted to. But that's why I think this show swings so wildly in so many crazy directions. Like I couldn't get a read on the actual. We watched. I watched three episodes of it, and each one I felt like <laughs> like a fever dream because the emotions swing wildly. You're like, I mean, can we, like we can talk about it later. But her crying was insane. But that's I mean, was, that is a teenager. <laughs> I honestly no, but I I I I fully fully do think this is an incredibly painfully accurate depiction of teenagers of being a teenager when the teenager is the point of view character yeah right because like this is all through her 
point of view. And so, of course, she's crying. She's kissing. She's <laughs> not surfing because she lied. You know? <laughs> you know? So, which at the time, like, I'm trying to think, like, the teeny. Okay. Uh, listeners, you just listened to last week's episode where we talked about Leave It to Beaver, which uh, that episode aired six years before this. Fucking Wally Cleaver in that in that episode goes and gets one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen in my life. And he's like, oh, I got a haircut. And then basically like the entire episode is the parent is the mom being like to her husband, tell him to cut his hair. It is awful. And she and he's like, no, let him, you know, kids will be kids. Let him have it. It's fine. And then finally in the episode, she finally like snaps on him and is like, do you know how, you know, when your little brother wore more my flower hat to Sunday school and you, well, how'd you feel? And he was like, I was embarrassed. And she's like, that's how your hair makes us feel. We're embarrassed of you. And then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, mom. I guess I'll get it cut. And then he's like, dad, next time I act like a creep, tell me. And then it's, and then that's the episode. That's the moral of the episode is that be embarrassed of your family and fucking make sure they know. (laughs) And so like, if Wally was Gidget, he would be in hysterics and he would be like, absolutely not. This is my hair forever. Like, he would be a little crazier. Yeah. So if that is like what people are thinking that teens are, Gidget comes along and she's like, no, we sink into nothingness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then the sister walks in because of course she does. And and when uh, Gidget's on the phone, she's on the phone with uh, Jeff, yeah. right? And she goes, so she's like, oh, doesn't she say something? Oh, like, her sister's like, I want to talk to you. And then Gidget says, like, some other time. This is an awfully busy year, dear. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Sister. I think that's a good, that is a good, that is a good line. It's a great line. They had great lines, and there were some really funny, funny parts in it. They, 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 some of the jokes really hit, but like I said, like I was constantly like, "What am I watching?" I have no. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying that it's like in the mind of a teenager, but it is. It's a horrible place to be. <laughs> but, well, no, because it's like it's like that makes sense if it's a drama, but like we're watching what's supposed to be like a, it went up against the Beverly Hillbillies. Like well, it was, I <laughs> and I think that is to its detriment because like it was too good. Like it was too weird. It was well, too. They found out that when it, when when teenage uh, uh, when teenage girls got out of school in the summer, the ratings skyrocketed when they had reruns, and it was like, yeah, you know, we just like, why would we ever put this up in this like family TV hour? This is clearly, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that that uh, that part, and then I think the fact that they probably were approaching it with network notes, like you said, of what. Wait, this is family TV hour. Like yeah. we can't think into nothing. This has to be a kiss. And, then, and it's, you know that Ruth flips Brooke or whatever was just like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, Yes, exactly. That is the point. Sink into nothing. Yeah. So like, All right. Okay. Cool. Paycheck. <laughs> so she breaks up with Jeff from the closet, but then she's yeah. immediately like, I have to have. I need to see him again. I have to have a reason to go to the beach. Like what? And so. And also simultaneously, the like, sister. I do think you're right there. Like that stuff is super teenagery. The like, like <laughs> bitch, I was doing that in my early twenties. <laughs> well, just like, but just <laughs> like the, the crazy statement of like, well, that's it, we're done, and then immediately being like, 
All right. So how do I get him back? Yeah. <laughs> so also the sister has found she, the diaries on the floor. It got knocked over. She, yeah. And she picks up and she reads it, which is just like boundaries. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Respect. Them. Yeah. Respect them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what is happening? Brett? Brett. <laughs> Brett is I mean, someone read Brett's diary. That's, that's Brett, like, getting, like, no. deep in the state of a memory. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so now Gidget's on the phone with her friend, and this friend is amazing. I When the, sh- when the friend shows up, because they're like, we're going to the beach, you're my excuse. The friend pulls up in her pretty dope ride, and she says that she's allergic to the sun. I mean, this is the best joke out of the three yeah. episodes. Well, and then Gidget's like, that's the least of my problems. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. But I also want to say, this was a Screen Gems show. It was directed by William Asher, who was also like the main director of Bewitched. And and then uh, Ruth, the writer of this episode, went on to do like 30 episodes of Bewitched. And, be, and they also did Flying Nun, and they did I Dream of Genie. And now, like, no shade to those shows. I love Bewitched. I am literally writing a book about i dream of genie so like i can talk about it gidget is the only one of those that has actual hard jokes with a with a weird point of view that made me laugh like i will chuckle at a bewitch or i'll be like oh i appreciate what they're doing but i don't think bewitch has ever made me actually like laugh out loud it's just entertaining but that friend coming up there with like a just a a backseat full of like hats and umbrellas and stuff, and she's wearing a rainbow like parka, <laughs> and she yeah. says, "I'm allergic to the sun." Is a yeah. weird, great choice. It's That's beautiful. My spiel. <laughs> there's still people that are allergic to the sun. Yeah, but no, like no. having that be the plot point, and right, then what? Now. And then <laughs> later, and then later when she puts on the hat, oh boy. Um, oh, so they go to the beach. This is where I also noted, like, bikini shots. Like, this yeah. is like, there's some beach party. Everyone but Sally Check Field. She's not going. <laughs> Sally Field's <laughs> not going to that water. <laughs> no. Could she swim? No, she's allergic to water. Oh! <laughs> what a bad choice for them to go to the beach, allergic to water, allergic to sun. <laughs> I do love the great green screen scenes or blue screen scenes that they had with yeah. her, like, pretending to surf. And it was like, it's just, uh, I don't know. I love that they could never show a wide shot because it was all. <laughs> but that's what they did in the movie, too. That was like, that's the aesthetic of Gidget. They yeah. do like close up, like yeah. clearly on the surfboard. they're on a yeah. big surfboard. Are they having they- conversations on the surfboard? Oh, yeah. well, they're like sticking tongues out at each other and like <laughs> having a, a little rough housing. Because I feel rough. like you're not going to have a prolonged conversation on a surfboard. <laughs> No, <laughs> they have like yeah they have like a long they have like long interactions on a surfboard uh and then they'll they can clearly hear each other uh and then uh she faints when he says she's good looking or something do you remember that oh yeah that's true he says uh <laughs> you're not even that bad looking which i have had someone say to me it's and, not a compliment sally field is it's not a compliment <laughs> sally field is a, 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 like one of the best actors of all time adorable i have to say this is one of the worst paintings i've ever seen <laughs> you just it's in the beginning of the episode if you want to see oh, he says i guess you are kind of cute and then that she was, goes like the oh, oh but i was like i was like cute. 
know. It's like Honestly, so cool. does the like faint part, but then clearly like whatever setup they had for her to fall on clearly made her nervous enough where she had to like, <laughs> like clearly look down. She's and afraid of falling. You said in your resume that you were a professional faller. <laughs> you were not, <laughs> not afraid of falling. So she points out Jeff and this is where, uh, this is where, I felt fever for Dreamish because the show shows us Jeff, like all the other teens are yeah. in their bathing suits, like surfing, running around, playing volleyball, dancing, grooving. And Jeff is sitting on the sand, cross-legged, playing a recorder or like a flute, like a little yeah. like. Look player. at that. Well, because and, the assumption is he's just so bummed about but losing. I just, but I was like, so he's a loser? <laughs> <laughs> like that's like who the hell takes a wind instrument to the beach um and it turns out he was a, a a beautiful blonde bombshell was on the other side of the surfboard he was sitting next to and she her hand was under it and she was pretending to be a snake coming out of a whatever a classic game boys and girls play oh yeah they're having a good time apparently you want to play snake hand <laughs> so <laughs> So then Gidget's like, we're going in. And the friend puts on a uh, a hat that they certainly had to make for this scene. I cannot imagine <laughs> yeah. that a hat like that is viable it's on the market. Incredible problem. I mean, it, it really is. Yeah. The brim is, it's like a wicker hat, like a wicker, like kind of like sun hat kind of thing. And it is, the brim covers her upper body. Like it is so long. I wrote yeah. that she looks like she's on she's an alien on Tatooine. Like that get up of like the weird like robe and her like weird head. She's just like waddling along. Yeah. Wait, do they even interact with him? No. No, uh, because she's the woman who oh, she right. first, again, the show has so many things that you we're just we're just making guesses that we we know what they mean. She calls the woman cornbread, and at first I'm like, oh, that's a bad thing no, and it then means, it and then it means what no it means she's thick it means that she eats so her boobs are big wait well, really the whole, thing is, the whole thing is about how big the blonde woman's tits are because then Gidget goes home and she starts doing the breast exercises which rob did not know were breast exercises oh i didn't but, notice that yeah she's squeezing her hands like this which was like a thing in the 60s they told girls to do to make their boobies bigger and uh wow. it doesn't work i guess <laughs> So cornbread is thick. I think cornbread is. Uh, my assumption is like farm fresh. Like she's got oh, those. Yeah. No yeah. <laughs> Just into nothingness. It means holding hands. <laughs> I. The more I. The more we're learning. I'm learning. I love this show. I love. I love that they worked in doing breast augmentation exercises because a hundred percent all of the sensors were men and they had no idea what that was. I didn't. The fact but that neither knew what it was. I every mean, teen girl watching that at the time would be like, yes, yes, work, Gidget. I, that's my experience. Well, I, heard, uh, um, to, I heard something interesting. Uh, I, I like read some reviews of it, and people are pointing out that it's like, this is like the first time you have that sort of fantasy teen life. Like, this is the very first time that you have yeah. the like she's able to drive her dad's cool car every once in a while. Like she well, they has... just go to the beach. I don't think they tell anyone. They just like hop in and go. Yeah. 
And, and then one of the reviews was like, everybody wanted that phone. She had like a princess phone. Every girl was mm-hmm. ba- like, it was like the biggest deal. If you were well, a girl, parents would allow you have a phone in your room. It's in her room and she's on yeah. it. And like yeah. the scenes of her on the phone are very uh, well done and like engaging in a way that's very, you know, like, like Clarissa at her computer. Um, How yeah. about that really cinematic foot fetish shot? Yeah, I, I noticed that. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that is a, that is absolutely, like, very clearly the director. Don't speak ill of <laughs> William Asher this way. I'm sure, no, I mean, and we're not cha- kink shaming here. It's just, like, <laughs> it's very obvious when you're, like, what, like, I've never seen in a family style sitcom, remember, this is supposed to be for families. <laughs> the same, same time as Beverly Hillbillies, they just have a solid 25 second shot of her feet. She's like, because she's seated, she's on her bed and she's like seated, like she's like leaning up. And then she leans back out of frame and then puts her feet up on like the bedpost and then just like just kind of like kicks them, them around and the camera yeah. just stays on them, which is a very interesting stylistic choice. Yes. But also, it's a lot of feet. <laughs> it's I do love, it's maybe I would, the most feet I've ever seen on television. I do. I would love it if it turns out that there was just like a problem with the other footage, and they were like, <laughs> we, "I mean, I don't know what to tell you. We got to use the foot shot. The foot this shot. is all we can do for the scene." <laughs> very French New Wave to like yes. do clips of feet rubbing together while like people are having full on conversations. There's something very romantic. There's something very sexual about it. Yes. Yeah. So, what but it there's just but that's what i think the but tone is not crazy. Appro- yeah not appropriate well, the tone is so so crazy for the show because it it has all those sensibilities i'm guessing the writer had this mentality of like let's go for it let's go for it and then i i i think you're totally right i think the network notes came in and it just gets like watered down well, and let's know what premise did they put sally field in when they were like well we need to bring her back she's a nun yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. literally (laughs) wow okay so next scene is like all the family is like gidget's not there uh the family is that we get the um the weird sexual starvation will you eat a lot (laughs) Um, but then this is another scene that i like gidget and wait what is the friend's name larue larue so they come home from the beach they walk straight to the fridge they just like pull out a handful of like bologna and gidget just starts it's a great it's a great joke just they, starts they eating it <laughs> she's talking yes. it's I, I i think it's a great person she's she's talking about how she doesn't think she'll ever be able to eat again like i feel like i don't have an appetite at all and they're eating like two pounds of cheese and meat yeah the whole plate of just like cheese just cold cuts like both of them is housing cold cuts it's great well i i do think the whole thing the whole series has a lot of like gilmore girl inspiration that i see in it because the more episodes we watched the more they ate there was like food in every seat and they were eating just giant portions like drinking ketchup it was wild yeah in the second episode her dad comes in is like do you want to like let's have a conversation over our uh, quarter to 10 midnight snack. And then they sit down <laughs> and he makes like the gi- a giant bowl of ice cream. Uh, and he's having a bologna sandwich. And um, they get so excited about they the get so excited. They forget that one is holding the maple, like one is holding the syrup that she's going to pour on her ice cream. ice cream. And he's holding, but and or she's holding the ketchup that he was going to use for his bologna sandwich. And she, he's holding the, 
maple syrup and then they pour it onto their sand. I don't know I'm describing this. No, but scene. like that's that sounds a lot more like smart and involved than a lot of things that I would see on television yeah. at this time. Uh, you know, they were having like a lot of fun. There's a sense that, I mean, obviously Ruth, given her uh, like credits, uh, she she must be just a fantastic writer. And I'm sure that she was nominated for an Emmy for that girl episode. So good job. All right. Yeah, Ruth. Um, oh, you mentioned which I wanted to say it was filmed on the same lot and in the exterior shot to the left of her house is the bewitched house, which was, which means it is possible we're in the Ruth verse. (laughs) (laughs) So for my book, I, uh, one of the like main sources for my, my biography of Hayden Rourke is a man who he's now like 72, but when he was, out of high school, he went to his library in Oklahoma, where he lives, and he, like, found the addresses of all the movie studios and, like, for an internship, like, wrote all of them. This is, like, 68, 69. Mm-hmm. And he got an internship at Screen Gems, and he worked in the makeup department. Uh, and so he was on Bewitched, mostly, but he also did stuff on Genie, and that's where he met Hayden. Hayden would, like, take him out for hamburgers and, like, have, like, it was just really friendly to him. But he talked about, like, he always wanted to meet Sally Field, because he's, like, 19 and like flying nun is there he's like i love sally field i he says he had a story about like there was one time where he was around a lot and so he like it was feasible that like she definitely like saw him every day somewhere and there was one day where he was like i was standing outside and she pulled up she had this like gorgeous like blue must like mustang convertible and she like motioned for someone to come over and I immediately like just turned around and thought that it was someone else and there was no one behind me. And then she just like drove away. And then he was like, nah, I mean, I blew my shot with Sally Field. <laughs> it was just so cute. He was so like, like, I mean, she, like we haven't talked about it, but she was pretty hot. Yes. I mean, right? she was like, like a, a big deal. Well, she was 18 when they filmed this, so uh, we can say whatever we, we want about Sally Field. <laughs> yeah. like, no, but she does look extremely young. I yes. mean, yeah. She, uh, yeah. But at like the fact that we as a culture, I won't go too deep into it, aged her so quickly and like put her into this super weird category is very bizarre because she definitely was like a heartthrob type. She was like a, uh, I can see men like wanting to be with her and women wanting to be her situation. Yeah, like it's it, there's like you're a nun now. You were too sexy as a teenager yeah. on Gidget. You are now a young nun. Um, <laughs> so the dad, the the sister, like finally has to tell the dad like about the sick and nothingness thing. But then he's like, "How did you find this out?" And they don't want to tell him. They finally like, "Oh, it's we read her diary." And I love the fact that he then like ushers them out. He's like. That was basically he's like, that was not cool, dude. Like, <laughs> so I think it was super nice. Um, And then back upstairs, Gidget is upstairs dancing alone to records, trying to forget all of her problems. And I love that they shoved the 60s music in there. They shoved mm. the outfits and they shoved the music. It was great. I, the dancing is insane. I mean, I, I never, I don't, I am not a good dancer and I, I love crushed it back then. <laughs> if that's what dancing was. Yeah. I mean, watch like some laugh in. It's just like, it's like full body, like herky jerk. It's so weird. I love it. Uh, So the dad comes in and this is where they have the misunderstanding talk where he like finally has to bring up like, you know, are you basically like, are you sexually active? And she's like, what does she think he's talking? Are you a hat? Are you kissing? 
Yes, but I, yeah, I was going pre-network notes, I guess. <laughs> he knows that she messed up the Jeff relationship by yeah. saying she hated other people. And she's like, oh, how'd you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then it comes out that like, oh, someone read her diary because he says sink into nothingness. And she's like, wait a second. That is my phrase and my phrase only. No one else has ever used it. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why she uses phrases like sink into nothingness. Because if anyone says it to her, she's like, clocked. I know you did it. I know you're in my diary because no one else says that but me. <laughs> and then she uh, cries. She's up all night. I mean, crying. I know you're saying this is acceptable. It is yes. insane crying. This is not sitcom crying. This is Sally Field's it's, Oscar moment. Yes, the- it is teen crying. And that's why it's so funny. This is up against the Beverly Hillbillies. Imagine somebody sitting down, like the whole family sitting down, and somebody's trying to convince dad, dad, let's watch this new show. And you flip over, and you know, the Hillbillies are doing Hillbilly stuff. And then you flip over, and Sally Field is giving the like performance of a lifetime cry that because is. Because she so- had a misunderstanding with her father over like intimate Sorry. relations with a boy. You might want. Is that? Did you hear that? No. It sounds like. Oh, it sounds like we have an intruder, but no, it seems to be fine. We don't have. It's a, probably our chair. Oh. Chair. We got a chair delivered. We got a chair delivered. We just wanted it right in the middle of get you. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, right. You delete the rest of the episode, but just leave the part in where we talk about getting, getting a chair. A chair? Yes, this is now chair. Must have chair TV. <laughs> well we've reached the most we've reached the most we've reached the most important part of the discussion for me yeah because the dad comes in and the dad is wearing an amazing dressing gown that I want it is silk with like velvet spots on it it's like a burgundy red and I'm just I do you understand how many <laughs> Uh, hours I have wasted trying to find affordable, uh, like, robes and dressing gowns uh, Imagine. in quarantine. <laughs> no, like, no joke. If you want a dressing gown like that now, you are spending $1,000. Really? It, yeah, they are. If you want that, is, if you want one that is made of, like, not, like, a fucking, like, cotton or terry cloth kind of, you know, just run-of-the-mill <laughs> hobo bullshit. <laughs> Um, if you want something that's like nice and looks like you're a weird, we're talking about like the sleep suit or whatever we call well, it. Well, just like a, a, a robe, but like when they're fancier, they're called dressing gowns. Oh, okay. Um, well, I was raised in the poor side of London, <laughs> <laughs> but like if you want one of those, it's going to cost five hundred to a thousand dollars i mean like they are just prohibitive listeners subscribe to the patreon yeah i should get a patreon that just funds my like fancy sleepwear (laughs) join yeah join it join it silk robe level yeah no i found like there are pajamas that i've wanted but it's just like i cannot justify paying two hundred dollars for pajamas i just can't Hmm. 70 yes 200 (laughs) no (laughs) is 70 a lot for a pair of pajamas (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that is, Brett. Okay. What am- <laughs> is seventy dollars a lot for a pair of pajamas? No, you deserve it. You're you. Deserve oh no, but not for you. I'm just oh, saying. No, 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 no. 
I mean, Rob, I would not allow Rob to do that, for sure. (laughs) Whatever makes you happy. I just remember, like, the one, like, a Christmas where I was, like, it was, like, two days before Christmas, and I was like, oh, I want to have some, like, nice new pajamas for Christmas morning, so, like, it's too quick to order anything, so let me go to the mall or whatever. So I went to, like, Kohl's, because that's where I was, and it was just nothing but, like, fucking, like, Deadpool onesies. Like, (laughs) you get, like, Deadpool onesies, Pikachu snuggies, like, plaid flannel pants, and I'm just like, where is the class? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're too much of a classy man. I am, yeah, I'm just, so I want this drastic gout, and then while he's in this handsome uh, garment, he does the handsome thing of apologizing. Hmm. Right. Well said. Well said. It's like you didn't. I didn't read you. I didn't read your diary. But he also doesn't throw her sister under the bus. Very classy for someone. It seems like they both think is pure shit. <laughs> he, he is like, I don't want to get in the way of their sisterly relationship, whatever it is. Like, I want to protect both of them equally. Yeah, it's really cool. But like, she does infer, like, well, obviously. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I. She calls her a Telstar, which I've never heard before either. Yeah, that's like a network, right? Or a satellite or something? (laughs) It's a satellite. Yeah. So, like, they basically, like, so uh, she tells him, like, well, he's leaving tomorrow. We've agreed that I can date. He's going to figure it out himself. And like, okay, cool. Um, And she's, like, kind of, like, excited that she, like, well, I really made my sister uh, worried for a while. That's great. And then... He, she says, like, what did she say? Something like, I don't know, like, what, like, psycho, like, her husband doesn't know anything. Psychologists all think that, like, sex leads to, like, starvation or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sex only leads to babies. And, like, and I, and then the dad is just like, I, I'm, babies. she says, sex only leads to, oh, and then he, and then he's like, I'm not listening to what sex leads, like, they, yeah. they, not say babies because i was like is she implying something a little dirtier than that? but i was just, just like i was I like this is a uncensored version of what this pile of this is a 15 and a half year old girl talking yeah. about what sex leads to yeah. with her father on television in 1965 it's, I'm, like, it's really it's really impressive yeah but what does sex lead to? Because she never answered it. But I want to stand by you guys because you keep selling it like <laughs> the show is so liberated. It's very confusing. This show matches nineteen sixty-five. Matches like amazing. Yeah, but you're just. It's like so clearly that somebody came in was like, "Root, this is great." Uh, but let's have like you know the older white dad like you know. Tell her what's what. Yeah, he needs to have him on. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's, like, you know, let's, let's, uh, not, you know, she's not ready to have sex. So we're just going to talk about, you know. Yeah. <sighs> the last moment is a mo- bit of monologue from her that I really loved, where she, like, looks at the camera and she's like, like, I'm, like, really mature. Like, I wonder if thinking about stuff like, all, like this all the time makes me a philosopher. <laughs> I hope not. I'm too tired. <laughs> like, and, yeah. she, and I was just like, that is. So teenagery. I'm just like, I'm a real deep thinker. Like, I know what sex leads to. Like, <laughs> love it. But Sally Field is the reason all this stuff hits. I mean, yeah. she oh, really, yeah. she really just nailed it and, uh, and like elevated what, you know, she took a lot of the stuff did get clearly got watered down and she still elevated it and still gave it like a feeling of, you know, realness like, and like lived in and like, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you can tell she's a star when you're watching this. But who you're, else was a star? LaRue. We're big fans and, of LaRue. And the dad for Brett. Uh, I want to give some. Uh, so I found out that the dad and her had a really good relationship in real life. Oh, she said they he was like a father to her. You know, they had like a father daughter relationship in real life. And then her and LaRue are best friends in real life. Still? I don't I would assume I looked up LaRue. She like quit acting in like the early 70s, which I some review is basically saying that like a lot of you'll notice a lot of actresses basically once they hit their like mid 20s mm-hmm. or so. It wasn't you could not be an actress and a mom. It was like those are like mm-hmm. it was just very standard that you'd be like, OK, now you're like mid 20s. If you want to have a family or whatever. Bye. I don't know if that's the case, but she was a drama teacher down in La Jolla. And like up until uh, I saw found an article in 2017, uh, her name is Lynette Winter. And uh, she she directed um, uh, Freaky Friday at, at the school that she teach, taught. It. I don't know if she's still teaching. That was 2017. So probably not. Oh, like the, like the Disney Channel version? That was like a 20. I guess for the a stage version of Freaky Friday. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> but I don't know if they would use her school as, like, location, so it could have been... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's possible. Wow. Good That's for really all cool. of them. Yeah. How's Jeff doing today? Uh, Jeff's in jail. I mean, I don't even know who Jeff is. I don't know who he is. John, the John, I looked up John, and I won't go into it because it's really sad. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? It, what? Oh. I'm not going to go into it because it's really sad. Mm-hmm. But I did look him up because I was like... He, he's giving me Dick York vibes. And then I was like, I really like him. Like, it's not much, but I like him. And uh, uh, the internet agreed with me that he was do, like him and Dick York had a lot in common. And uh, he went on to do some other stuff and some Westerns and stuff. And then sad things happen. Okay. I'm looking that up later. Uh, <laughs> uh, are y'all ready for some more must have facts? Yeah. Sure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Whoa. Okay. So I don't know what the... Well, I said that earlier. I use my newspapers.com archive access to try and find, like, the, the specific Nielsen ratings for this week. Um like the full list because sometimes those will yeah. be published it wasn't published for this week so i don't know where it ranked but i do know uh that it was 68th for the entire season and mm. it had like a 26 share or something so like big ratings today yeah <laughs> but 68th for the season and like when you're only having like three networks so like there are maybe only like 70 shows so 
you understand. Um, the top five shows of this TV season were the number five, the Thursday night Batman. Number four, the Red Skelton Hour. Uh, number three, the Lucy Show. Number right. two, Gummer Pile USMC. And number one, Bonanza. Great. So yeah, that is not a landscape for a sexually aware boy crazy yeah. uh, hyper emotional ahead of her time free thinking weirdo like Gidget <laughs> who doesn't um, surf surf adjacent I, I looked up uh, some stuff and I found that there were two Gidget board games I couldn't find anything about the one Gidget board game um, but there was a Gidget fortune teller board game and I was able to find the rules for it Ooh. Uh, I won't read all the rules, but I'll read what I, I at the beginning of them. Uh, it says, for two players at a time, Gidget and her friends enjoy predicting each other's fortunes using her special cards. And then it says this, of course, fortune telling predictions are never considered seriously. It's all in the spirit of good fun. And I'm like, <laughs> they had to put that in the rules because either they, so either there's a card that basically says you're going to die Right. Or it is just like this is of the devil. This is a cult, so please don't worship Satan. Obviously, Gidget wants you to worship the devil. It's all a good fun. I did find out that the original people that this is based on were Jews. Like that wasn't like a mean Jew. It was like a yay Jews, and so very exciting. Where's the Gidget Jewish teen girl surfing in California? Where's this show? There is this show. Yeah. So the 80s. Oh, what? Yeah. No, and put it on HBO so we can say sink into nothingness. Real. The real stuff. Um, The ABC Wednesday night lineup that this was part of is also evidence of how it definitely makes no sense. Uh, And I started off with like season 20 million of The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Okay. Which is the most 1950s squeaky clean. Uh. Patty, then the Patty Duke show, which is another like Screen Gems, William Asher, but that's it is Teen Girl having fun, but it ain't this. (laughs) And and then Gidget, and then something called an hour long show called The Big Valley, uh, and then Amos Burke's Secret Agent. And also, half of those shows are in black and white at this point. Gidget's in color, weird. Like, this is like this is the weird like transition season. But while I was searching for the ratings. I did find a review, uh, well, like a little blurb for about the first episode of Gidget that was written by uh, TV critic Jerry Coffey uh, of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And this is his little blurb, his little quick review. Um, Gidget on ABC may find favor with teenagers and possibly some masochistic parents of teenagers, but it shapes up as a waste of time for everybody else. Wow. I mean, not totally wrong. Well, I, I think, like, this is... I cannot imagine being... This is a show, first of all, with, like, a female lead, and then, like, a teen female lead that is also here to, like, talk about her feelings and emotions. Yeah. And, and I'm like... Get, like, the Patty Duke show is about a teen girl, but it's still family sitcom time. Yeah, you know? and it's about her cousin, who's like... Who, yeah. Yeah, and 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 it what like uh, clearly somebody in, in at ABC convinced somebody that it's like, well, you know, teen girls like the Patty Duke show, so maybe they'll like this afterwards. It's like, no, they're, they're just because they're both teen girls. These are very different shows, <laughs> right? Well, and it's like if you 
you have to well i also don't know if they really knew the idea of like crafting nights of television that makes sense like i don't think yeah. it really started happening until like the 70s with cbs's sunday night that was you know all in the family bob newhart show mary tyler moore show carol Burnett show mash like that all makes sense yeah. but like ozzy and harriet patty duke gidget and then like a spy show like yeah it's, 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 yeah it just doesn't this is what we had left over yeah this yeah. is the did they not have like, did they not have like afternoon kids like programming in those yeah, days i think they, well i think well like like bozo like little kids stuff yeah little kids stuff yeah. but it seems like this would i mean this would have crushed i mean this is saved by the bell like yes yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, there, I mean, right now, there's so much sex fueled teen stuff. I would say most shows that make it to air are sex fueled teen stuff. Yeah. Like the demo is there. The people watching TV are sex HBO Brett, Max. Brett, can you check your email? Uh oh, you lied to me. <laughs> Wait, what? <clears throat> Ugh. Well, I mean, it's it's taking a while to load, so this is fun for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, let's fill the time with me telling you about a future episode. We can tell you about more. Oh, wait, wait, no, what is this? Hold on. So, uh, the Gidget episode that is most memorable. Yeah, I think he opened the email. I'm trying to. It's loading. I think it's because I'm running Zoom in my garage, man. The Gidget episode that's most memorable to me is when she takes, um, like, mechanics class at school and learns how to fix a car. And then she goes on a date. And her her date doesn't know how to fix the car, so she fixes the car for I don't, him. I, I don't want Brett to read this script. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I was trying to kill time with my hilarious story. Because I can tell he's reading it. Okay, all right, start it. Go for it, babe. Just do it. All right, so Brett, you're going to play the dad. This is this is my interpretation of every Gidget <laughs> episode. I've only seen three episodes, but this is what they all felt like to me. This is the last uh, episode. Meredith is going to play Gidget. Brett, you'll play the dad. Uh, and I'll read stage directions and do uh, any other voices. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Gidget, what's this here? Gidget, what's this I hear about you and that boy at the beach or some beach-related activity? Oh, Daddy, his name is Dumpy Cough, which is a perfectly reasonable name given how everyone has a ridiculous name around here. He's a real cool, cool head who hangs out at the beach and has a dog, which makes him different from previous guys. Now, Francis, which is your real name in case anyone questions, I'm your dad. I. He's supposedly 19, but looks to be about 52 years old. Oh, that is normal. He has gray chest hair. Just be prepared. Dogs are a real responsibility. Wait just a dingy minute. I'm not the one who has to take care of the dog, unless you mean Dumpy. No, what I mean, what I mean is this boy may be nice, but if he has a dog, it might be hard for him to make time for you. Well, that'd be real wiggy of him. Oh, Daddy, Gidget could be in real trouble if this guy's dog is vicious. Well, and that's an insane jump to make. Um, also, do you have a job or anywhere to be besides my home? Because you're always here and I'm worried about you. Yeah, Anne, and mind your own beeswax. Well, also, uh, owning a dog is some sort of sexually repressed or oversexed thing. Oh, um, shut uh, the fuck up, John. God. Yeah, John, nobody likes you, and psychology is a horseshit profession filled with quacks. Yeah, the only real therapy anyone needs is a dad coming in to talk to you right before bedtime while wearing a dope-ass smoking jacket. <laughs> ring, ring, Gidget answers the phone. Hello? Oh, it's LaRue. Yes, 
Oh, dear. Well, okay. She hangs up. And what was that about? Well, it sounds like you were right, Dad. Dumpy is moving away to a place that's better suited for his dog. I guess we'll never see him again. Well, I'm always right. You women can have spunk and joke around, but in the end, you're always wrong, and older men always know the right answer. Yeah, I'm a real dingbat, I guess. Well, I, for one... Shut the fuck up, John! You deserve everything that's going to happen to you? I don't know. (laughs) I'll find out later. One person's interpretation. That's the lost episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, so um, rating wise uh, on IMDb, 42 Gigamaniacs rated this a 7.3 out of 10. Does that sound right? Would you go higher, lower uh, in the grand scheme of television? Oh. On the scheme of television, well, I think that like you know, it ha- television has categories for a reason. So, uh, in, in teen comedy, <laughs> I would say yes, yeah, definitely a seven. Um, I'm maybe giving it a six point five because I feel like, uh, like for, if we're just looking at the pilot episode, because I think that the show expands to probably an eight point five, mm. and I think this is just a jumping off point for them. I'll give it an eight. Ooh. I also like giving high notes. No, I, 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 yeah. Uh, who had the must-see performance in this episode? Well, I mean, it's it's like you, how can you not give it to Sally Field? It's I mean, Sally it's Field. Sally Field. Yes. It's show. She crushes it. We liked her. Uh, we really liked her. I do think <laughs> that an hour and ten minutes without making that joke. Yes, <laughs> we were great. <laughs> I do think Larue uh, crushes it, and I, there's 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 a world where, in my opinion, you see this show skyrocket if it's placed in the right time slot, gets the right demographic. It the show does super well, and Larue gets her spinoff. Yeah, you know. it is so. Wild because like she goes on to write on that girl and on that girl, she dates Donald for like five years. They are in a committed relationship. Mm. They they didn't get the mayor. They got engaged by the end, but they didn't really want to do like husband wife stuff really like, for the show. They wanted to like keep him that. Um, but they never lived together. They definitely never have sex or talk about it. And I'm honestly trying to picture them ever kissing. Like. But did they give blowjobs? They definitely gave blowjobs off camera. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. But it is crazy that she goes from like writing this on Gidget, and then maybe she's like, "I learned my fucking lesson." <laughs> yeah. Anne Marie is staying chaste. Um, and lastly, <laughs> must other people see this episode of television? I would, I would say this episode offers nothing, so you might as well skip it because it's definitely considered to be the worst of the episodes. I would say it is must see, must have seen television because I think that like all of us recognize how it inspired so many television shows that are out today and a landscape for like a demo that wasn't even being looked at at the time. Yeah, I I mean, I haven't seen any other ones. And so if they're better than this one, I'm very excited because I thought this was spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I, I honestly like, you know, it's always like, is this a good episode to start with? I mean, I think obviously I started with it and it was I like a follow-up because she directly told me what was going on um god yeah just in terms of i always expected gidget to be just like a doofy cutesy little show with absolutely no teeth and no humor Mm. really just like 
nonsense, basically. And the fact that this actually had like a very clear point of view that definitely was like pushing buttons and making the suits mad. Oh, I, yeah. I applaud it. We're sinking into nothing. Yeah, Gidget don't give a damn about her bad reputation. <laughs> uh, so where can people find y'all on the internet if they want to talk to you about beach movies oh no um you can find me on twitter my uh just search for rob stern on twitter um at v rob stern i'm meredith hackman on twitter and it's at big underscore mare and i have a dumb instagram where i find uh terrible internet ads and i make fun of them which is called best place to cry at work Probably because I made it when I was feeling emotional at work. That's not for us. <laughs> Slide into those DMs. And that does it for this episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guests, Meredith Hackman and Rob Stern, for dropping by and talking about Gidget with me. Next time, I'll be discussing I don't know what, but it's probably going to be June and Pride Month. So get ready for a whole month of me just being very gay uh, and talking about very gay things with very gay people. Um, get into it. Until then, I want to hear from all of you. Follow Must Have Seen TV on Twitter and Instagram, and let's talk about sitcoms. I'm probably not going to be posting original content there because I don't have a lot of time, and thinking about it stresses me out, but I will respond if you talk to me. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brett White. Please rate and review this show in Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Blow those one star hosers out of the water. Um, <laughs> uh, read the words that are right at decider.com thanks to ACAST for hosting this nonsense thanks to all y'all for listening and you know what I will see y'all it next time and I might take a week off I might have earned a week off and then we'll be back like at the very beginning of June the very beginning of June not like June 1st it depends on what Wednesday falls on but like every week in June okay you hear that listeners get off his back yeah come on no honestly no one cares and I feel guilty for no reason I care Brett care planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.